Hi, I'm Teresa Duncan. And I'm Kevin Henry. Welcome to Chew On This. We are excited to bring you our views of current topics in the dental industry and put a little different spin on them, giving you something to chew on. If you need to jump off, be sure to check the show notes for links as well as how to get in touch with us. And now let's give you something to chew on. And we're back with another edition of Chew on This. Kayvon, how's it going? I am great, Teresa Duncan. How about you? You know, it's good. Coffee's good. Good. Coffee's good. 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 (laughs) (laughs) We are coming at you from Northern Virginia, but you are coming at us, Kevin, roadside. Can you please (laughs) explain what I mean by roadside? (laughs) You know, we are here in beautiful uh, New Orleans, Louisiana. Uh, I'm in uh, Metairie, and probably I'm mispronouncing that, knowing my my lack of Cajun skills. Uh, But the Hampton Inn, where my beautiful wife and I are staying, is literally next to I-10. And when I say literally, I showed you earlier, I opened the window here, and it's right there. Yes. Yes, yeah. and, and you can't hear it, which is great. And I, I think it would be fun, honestly. This is the kind where you need, like, spitballs or a paintball gun or something. I'm going to put know. up curious signs as the week goes along. <laughs> honk, if you, you know, honk if you love dill insurance or who knows what. You know, it's going to be fantastic. Have you flossed today? Get that little public service <laughs> announcement out there. I like that. That's funny. So, But, you uh, know, that's a that's a very interesting place to have. A hotel room because I mean honestly it's so distracting if you're driving by and you see something crazy in the window you're going to be like what yeah and, well and, and as I told you I'm keeping the shades drawn just because every time I look out there are cars going by and I can't focus on what I'm doing here so yeah thank god you're not a focus. dog oh I tell you <laughs> see if I were uh, what if I were Griffin would I um, would I be enjoying this? Or I, which of your dogs would not? Uh, Inca would not. Inca would Inca, not. Inca okay. would be very annoyed. Griffin would raise his head, look around, and then after a while, be like, eh, "This is so <laughs> boring. I'm just done." Like, Mom, this is like the worst hotel room ever. That that's what I'm gonna hear. So, all right. <laughs> all right so you have a a story that's not quite as cheery and friendly, but it's just as important because honestly, we need to hear more about these stories so that we can prepare and not be the subject of the stories, right? Uh, Amen. You know, and and as you and I talked about this before we went on the air, we were like, oh yeah, we remember hearing about this because this is actually something that happened back in 2016. Uh, But now we are in 2022. The court case has finally been settled. At least one of the court cases has for a young lady who was left blind and unable to walk or talk due to botched treatment she received at her Texas dentist. Oh, that's so sad. It is. You know, and and $95 million was awarded to her. You know, and and let's go into that real quick. The $95 million, you go, oh, well, that's good. That will help the family. The family is quoted in this article that we will link in the show notes The problem is the dentist has long since paid the pittance that she could pay, uh, one of the parents said to ABC7. Now we're sitting here and we're screwed. And I think that's the sentence that got me so much because the malpractice insurance that the dentist had could not cover anywhere near $95 million. Mm. So they've actually received about everything that they could in this court case and there is a criminal trial coming up against the dentist uh, next month so this isn't over but it sounds like that this is something that neither side is going to really 
you know, when, and certainly not whenever you're talking about a little girl whose life was changed forever. Mm -hmm. And the reason that this happened, and, and I think this is what you and I wanted to talk about the most, was that um, according to court papers, the child was sedated and strapped to a papoose board by the dentist trying to perform a baby root canal as well as place a crown on one of the backs of her teeth. Um, the child, whenever the dentist started to drill, the child started to scream and convulse, and it is now believed that she was suffering a seizure during this time. Uh, so the screaming and convulsing was thought to be the child just trying to get away from the drill. Unfortunately, it was a seizure that was going on. And the child is now 10, conscious, but can no longer see, speak, walk, or eat on her own, requiring 24-hour medical care. Oh, gosh. what a, yeah. And it's not a – I mean, I, I know this is, may hit some people wrong, but it, it feels to me like as, as a mother, like quality of life for my child is – there is none. I mean, what is there? There is none. No. And, and you know, it's it's something that that's been six years ago. So, you know, this is something that, you know, like I said, you and I talked about. We're like, oh, yeah, I remember that. And and I think it goes down to how are how is the dentist and how is the team ready for an emergency to happen in the practice? And how do you even prevent one from happening? And obviously, I hope and pray that Strapping a child down to a papoose board is a very extreme example here. Mm -hmm. But yeah. we do know that medical emergencies happen in the practice. And, and are you really ready for one? Are you ready to recognize one? And how would you react if one? You know, there, there's a, a case that I talk about in my lectures, and, and you've seen it. Uh, there's, a, there's a dentist out in Hawaii where a little girl died in the chair. And one of the reasons that, unfortunately, she passed away was that the team kind of didn't know what to do yeah. and they lost some valuable time in there before the child passed. So right. I think we've got to be ready. Well, and it's, it's interesting because the papoose board, I mean, it's still used and, but you're right. You said it would be for extreme cases or, and, and that's typically what it's for. You know, if you're using it for every child, you know, that's, that's a little bit of an issue there because there should be some behavior management that goes on. And, and I'm saying this from, someone who's worked with pediatric practices in the past. So it's not like I'm just, you know, saying, hey, it should be this way. I've seen it. So I do know papoose boards have been handy and sometimes are needed. And if the parent is there and understands, then usually it's the parent that's going to be like, why can you use something to, to hold yeah. her down um, yeah. or him down? Because it, it, there are children who do have behavioral issues for sure. So, but this doesn't sound like it. It sounds like she was scared, and um, and then of course the seizure happens, right? So, yeah, and, it's a scary and, situation though. Being in the dental office first when you're a little kid, then there's a drill, then you're strapped down. Like it's terrifying if you have not prepared the child correctly. And, and I think that's where the communication comes in so strongly. How are you talking to that child about what's getting ready to happen? How are you talking to the parent about what's getting ready to happen? So they can help prepare that child, you know, during the week leading up to that. You know, I think that that's an important thing as well. And I think that's where, you know, if, you, if you're a dentist listening, I think that you have to really make sure that your team members have those communication skills. Mm -hmm. And if you're a team member listening, I think that you've got to be prepared to not, you know, and it sounds silly, but not say things like shot and hurt and yeah, pain. And, right. and, you know, you know, those those right. words that maybe we don't think about sometimes whenever we're saying them. And the, but the impact that they have on the other person is big. Well, and I always used to crack up when my old boss would say, it's just a pinch here. And I'm like, pinches hurt. 
Like pitches, pitches hurt me, you know. So I don't know about you, Rhino Hyde, but pitches pitches hurt me. So so we'd always have that little joke there. But um, the whole thing about the parents being in the room, though, I don't. I didn't read in the article that the parents were present during the treatment. Uh, I did not either. So uh, I, I know from talking to to Pete offices, they they don't necessarily like the parent in the room, but many of them will you know, we'll let that happen. But there are some offices that have a hard and fast rule of no parents in the back. And, um, and it's because, you know, the child, what I've been told is the child feeds off the fear of the parent. They get inspired by that fear and they, you know, kind of ratchets up their level. Um, but I think it, I don't know if it should be a blanket rule. I mean, I think there are some kids that would be comforted by the parent being back there. Absolutely. And and I think that it really, you know, I think that's where the dentist and the team almost have to do the interview with the parent. So are you going to be on our side? Mm -hmm. Or if something starts hurting, the child starts crying, are you going to try to override us? Yeah. You know, I, I think that's a really important conversation to have. I mean, honestly, if you saw Julia in trouble, you would instantly know whether or not it's fear or a seizure. Like we sure. know, you know, our kids, right? We know our kids. So I, I mean, I would immediately know if something was not, not right with Noah. Um, yeah. And I know this yeah. because there are lots of things not right with Noah, who I love <laughs> very, very much. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, and, and, and there was one thing in here that, you know, I, I think it's really important. And, and I wonder where the parents were at this point. And, and I'm just going to read this straight from the, the newspaper article. During a three-day trial earlier this month, prosecutors also noted it took more than four hours before Jefferson, who is the dentist, before Jefferson called for medical assistance. Wow. Yeah. And four I, and I think hours. Four hours. So what's going on in those four hours? You know, I'm, I'm really... Um, so I, I'm, I'm going to guess that they completed the, the procedure, like because they got her to the point where she was calm, sedated, and she probably had passed out at that point, Kevin. She could well have. So they probably completed the procedure and then realized, oh my God, she's not coming back, she's not coming to, or whatever it is. Well, in the next sentence in the article, her parents said they asked whether to call an ambulance almost immediately after the child started to convulse. But Jefferson, the dentist, told them it wouldn't be necessary. Instead, the dentist gave her medication that was not approved for seizure treatment and aggravated the child's conditions, attorney argued. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So, yes, they, I mean, and they they had taken her license, I believe, right? And the board took her license a long time ago. So she hasn't been practicing dentistry. So just let's talk about it from the team point of view. So the, the dental assistant who was helping. I mean, honestly, there's a point where if you really feel like a patient's in danger, you do have to, to follow your gut. I mean, I, and yeah, it might mean you get fired later, but I mean, seriously, if you see a child in trouble, you have to do the right thing. Um, well, and, and the court case I mentioned in Hawaii, the, eventually the dentist, the assistant actually testified against the dentist in court mm. uh, because the assistant was trying to pull everything together and the dentist was often overriding her. And so, it, yeah, it, it's a horrible situation. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's one of those things that you're exactly right. As an assistant, as a hygienist, as whoever you are in the practice, if you see something isn't right, you have to step up. Right. And, and you're right. You may lose your job, but... Would it be worth it to have gotten that child some treatment earlier? Well, and here's the other thing, too, from a front office point of view. You know, my mind went clinically, like, are they 
are they documenting everything? Did they document all the responses? Did they do this? Did they do that? And I, I'm going to guess no, because it sounds like it was just a disaster. But from an admin point of view, up front, the person up front has probably, can you imagine dealing with a parent who knows something's wrong, who thought they should be calling the ambulance and we told them not to? I mean, you're just you're just dealing with a, a very terrified, agitated parent at that point for four hours Oh my gosh! At some and, point, you got to go. This isn't right. I need to call someone. Well, and and you've got to think that's not the only patient or the only parent in the practice at that moment. For either. sure. So, for sure. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's a sad situation. So, um, ninety five million. They're probably not going to get anything. Uh, not much. You know, malpractice has pretty much covered all it's going to cover. Or do they not even? Do they even cover it if you're found to be? guilty of I don't I don't think they have to cover it. I think uh, that you're only insured for X amount. And wow. uh, yeah. Okay. So So there's that and then we know that this this child will need care for the rest of her life. I mean, yeah. round the clock care. Yeah. Yep, that's so, what the lawyers are saying 24-hour care is needed. So even if so there's no financial there's no financial relief in sight. It's it's unfortunate. So I guess the only feel good about this is that the parents might see a criminal conviction come from all of this. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the next, and you know, that will take some time. That's not going to be a quick thing for sure, but 95 million, a criminal conviction, all these things, it, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't fix the child. It doesn't help the situation, unfortunately. And, and I think that's what we've got to figure out is how do we make sure that situations like this don't happen anymore in the practice? Well, I hope the staff, the team at the office is getting, I don't know, counseling, therapy, something like that. Because so this is pretty traumatic. I mean, if this happened in an office, I would be pretty scarred by this, this type well, of thing. Well, and I think that we've got to think about this. You know, you and I talk a lot about optics and how the dental industry is perceived by those on the outside. And you and I both have friends that go, how can you work in dentistry? You know, and, and, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and those listening, you have those friends as well. And I think when cases like this get published in a New York newspaper, all of a sudden dentistry gets a little bit bigger black eye. And so how do we combat from a PR standpoint all the good things that are happening in dentistry? And that this really was one instance of one bad practice. You know, I I think that we, we as an industry have to be ready to say, you're right, that was a horrible thing that happened. But what about these children over here that, you know, are perfectly fine mm-hmm. and are now growing into adults who value their oral care. Right. And aren't having infections, you know, running rampant in their mouths and are able to now concentrate on their schoolwork because they're not in pain like right. they, you know, like we know is the case. I mean, there's study, multiple studies. I'm not even, I don't know of any off the top of my head, but I know there's multiple that show that one of the reasons, the biggest reason for kids to miss school is tooth pain. You're right. So if they're sick, I mean, it's not necessarily the the COVID or the flu or it's a lot of it's tooth pain. So and it's, you know, have you ever had tooth pain? You can't concentrate. You're right. And and that's what I was just going to say. Even if you're not missing school and you're going to school, are you really focused on what's what's being learned? Right. Uh, Oh, no. Tooth pain makes me I mean, that's like I gave birth naturally, Kevin. And I don't want tooth pain. (laughs) <laughs> and I would do that before I went back and had the tooth pain that I had before my root canal. I can't believe I had a root canal. I am so mortified that I had to have a root canal. <laughs> it's 
So anyways, now I'm, I need therapy now, Kevin. See, I you mean. do. You do. See, see, as usual, I'm, I'm the downer, you know? No, no, you. no. This is, this is good you. because you know what it does is it shows that it can happen to any office. It really can. I mean, this case, obviously, the dentist was not doing the best of her ability. Um, allegedly, I should say that allegedly. But it can happen. I mean, you have a patient who's in pretty good health, and then all of a sudden, they got a heart attack and you're like, what the heck? And if you haven't yeah. trained for it, that valuable time you were talking about, that valuable time, it means life and death. So yeah. I, I hope that this spurs people to go and, and check their medical emergency protocols and kits. Absolutely. You know, that's that's the thing I keep going back to. And, and one of the reasons I bring it up in my lectures is because I've I've seen CPR days at dental practices. I've seen medical emergency trainings. And, and a lot of times it's a, it's a day for people to check Facebook or do right. other things like that. Right. And I think that we've got to actually say it could happen. You know, if you're saying, oh, that'll never happen in our practice, I, I tell you, you're really wrong. Very uh, because we've heard the stories about, as you said, the heart attacks in the practice. The, the young lady who died in the, the chair in Hawaii was a perfectly healthy child mm -hmm. it was not strapped to a papoose board or anything else so it was just that moment that she had a medical emergency how would you really react to that and i think if you're again thinking that it'll never happen i i beg to differ with you and i beg you I, if you hear nothing else we ever mm -hmm. say take these days seriously well and it's not even kids kevin honestly i this is explained to me by a professor one time um and I was just, it was a program that I was enrolled in and they were talking about the effects of medications. And this wasn't even like when I was in dental dentistry yet. And I remember them saying, it's amazing. We don't have more deaths because we routinely inject people with drugs and we do a, a simple intake and just hope that the drug doesn't interact with something. True. And I was like, oh, you know, and then he, of course, he gives the examples of like you inject um, saline or you inject like um, lidocaine. I mean, let's talk about ours. Lidocaine. If somebody forgets to tell you about the new heart medicine that they are on yeah. and you chose the wrong anesthetic, it's a simple mistake and it can happen. And it, you got you got 10 minutes before everything yep. goes bad. So. Yeah. And, and how often, you know, you've heard it, I've heard it, you know, the patient will just say, oh, no changes. You know, nothing, nothing's different than the last time I was in here. And they just kind of shrug and, and people just go, okay, you know, without asking, uh, are you sure? No changes. Oh, I, I ha oh, you know what? I had a kidney transplant. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, right. oh, oh, okay. Yeah. You haven't been in three years, but no changes. Okay. Sure. Sounds good. You know, yeah. But uh, you have boobs now. What's going on here? Like, <laughs> right? Oh, thank hey, you I, for noticing. Like, thank hey, you. Hey, eyes up here. Hey, eyes <laughs> up. Come on. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right. So let's move from. That's <laughs> <laughs> all you. I'm yeah, letting you drink. Yeah, it. <laughs> let's, let's go from boobs to dental insurance. I know. Wow. I know. <laughs> From from your favorite topic, allegedly, to my favorite topic. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, so dental insurance is, uh, again, I can't get away from it. And it's something that it's, that's really important that's going to impact the state of Massachusetts and uh, possibly the rest of the states if it catches on. So, Kevin, do you know what a medical loss ratio is? You know I do, but I'd rather you explain it. Oh, to me. Yeah. of course. You know. I know, I know. I don't. I don't want you to have to to deal with this. So let me do it for you. 
<laughs> so basically, medical loss ratio is the amount of money that needs to be spent on actual direct patient care. So there is, a, of course, if you pay a premium to a health plan or to a dental plan, there is a percentage of it that has to go to administrative costs, you know, premiums, marketing, overhead, all that stuff. And that's, that's expected. That's cost doing business. So on the medical side, it's pretty accepted that in the 80s, usually around 83% is what this paper in particular is stating. 83% is an acceptable medical loss ratio for medical plans. So in dentistry, most of them are hovering around 80, 80% or so. And what Massachusetts is upset about is like, hey, you know what, if you spent more money on direct patient care then it would be better for everybody because one way to spend more money on direct patient care is to raise the fees or keep the fees competitive. That's one good way to do that. So in Massachusetts, what has happened is they had put it to, they had tried to put it through the legislature a couple times, and then they finally said, you know what, we need, we need to go straight to the voters. So that's why this is unusual, and this is okay. why it's getting not just um, dental industry attention, but national attention. So for, um, for Massachusetts, on, uh, on Election Day coming up, the, the population of Massachusetts will be able to vote on whether or not dental insurers should be subject to a medical loss ratio, because right now they are not in, in that state. So they'll be able to vote on it. This is very unusual. And I know there's going to be people that walk into the voting booth and go, what is this? Because first of all, you and I are industry people and reading this was not the most easy thing. Right. So, and they had to do it from what I understand, what I was told they had to do a lot of iterations of what's on the ballot to make it as user friendly and, and basically as simple as possible. And, and you had to have buy-in from all parties on the wording of it. Cause you don't want to make it, you know, inflammatory or tilted in any, any um, direction. So I just want to point out a couple of things. So this only applies to fully funded plans. Now, Kevin, I know you know the difference between fully funded and self-funded, but I don't want to tax you, so I will ask actually explain this as well. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> so, so most a lot of plans are self-funded, meaning the the bigger companies out there can fund the insurance premium or insurance payouts. Okay, fully funded means little bitty company doesn't have a lot of money, but needs to have like a million or two in reserves. So they don't have that. So they pay the insurance company to do that. That's fully funded. The reason why I say this is for all of these state laws, like non-covered services and um, tr network transparency laws that have been passed in many states, because this has been a very active, active year legislatively. Unfortunately, in the states, it only applies to, to uh, fully funded plans. Those are the ones that are, that are regulated by the states, the insurance commissioners. Self-funded plans are regulated by the government, and so they do not, they do not fall under this umbrella. So there's, there's a thought there that if this happens in Massachusetts, you're going to not see a lot of fully funded plans being sold because then they won't have to comply with, because there's some reporting that's going to be put forward. Okay. Um, the carriers are also putting the argument for them is that it's a very different way of calculating loss for medical versus dental. And I, I can see that because they're two different animals. I mean, we know dental, you just get 1500 or a thousand for medical. It's comprehensive care. Yeah. So of course it's going to be calculated differently. So, the other side of that is there's a lot of 
ability, and I know this is getting really geeky here, but on the medical side, they can deduct things like taxes, expenses, marketing, and all that kind of stuff. On the dental side, they don't have that. So that plays into that ratio, right? So that that might change some stuff. So I I worry. So first of all, I I think it's a bill that is going to come anyways. I mean, I think it's going to be across the nation if this passes. So what I worry about, though, is that the carriers will pivot to self-funded plans to avoid having to do so much reporting, or they're going to go ahead and raise the the rates that are paid out, which would be great. So maybe they pay a little bit more. Maybe they don't go down on fee schedules. But what that means, they have to make it up somewhere and it's going to be restrictions and coverage. So maybe they pay out more, but then what happens is the patient reaches their yearly benefit faster and then they end up having a pretty big out of pocket anyways, right? Yeah. So that it's makes sense. I, I think there's just a lot wrapped up in here. And I think if if it passes, the dental um offices, the dental uh, associations, they're gonna they're gonna feel like winners. And you know, they worked very hard for this. If it doesn't pass, the it's really it, nothing happens. Like the carriers aren't changing anything. They like they're just like, okay, it didn't pass. Now if it does pass, you know, for the carriers, we'll see if that changes consumer behavior, because the the premiums on these plans are going to go up, I I believe. The other side of it, too, is that you're going to get rid of, and this is really what I think is the gist of it that's more important to me, the the little insurance carriers that introduce competition into the market, Uh this will be very hard for them to comply with and to meet the requirements. And so in this study that I'm going to link in the show notes makes the, I believe the correct statement that they're probably going to exit the market. So that leaves only the big boys in the marketplace. And, and that's not good for the patient elimination competition in any market is never good for the consumer. So I, I think there's a lot going on here. And I think I gave like a really 5,000 level foot view or 10,000, whatever. I never know what level foot view. A lot of views. A yeah, lot of, just lot of, yeah. from way up high. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so here's here's the issue. If this passes, look to see a lot of action in all of the different states. And you, so you're going to be reading a lot more about this. And And if that's the case, I do think you're going to see a lot of consolidation among the carriers because the little ones aren't going to be able to, to meet it. They're just going to exit the market. Yeah. And and that makes sense. And, you know, you, you touched on something earlier in that, you know, as a voter, I always get the guide ahead of time. I always read the ballot. I always try to decipher what the wording is and everything else. I'm trying to figure out how they really put what you just said into something that I would understand. And and honestly, I don't know if that's possible. So I, you know, I just got back from the National Association of Dental Plans meeting and, you know, it was a hot topic. It was definitely mentioned in almost every session. Um, and one thing that, that I was told privately by somebody is that this is, they all knew this was coming. At some point, this type of regulation was coming, but it ends up biting them in the butt because of the impact on consumers. And they also had made the comment this, and this really, this, this, we laughed about this because uh, they're there and she's an insurance person. Um, she said, anytime you put, should insurance companies pay more on anything, they're going to vote. Yes. 
Exactly. So sure. I don't know how. Yeah. I mean, I, and I think I could probably find the wording on the ballot because it has been released. But I mean, if you're, you know, Joe Schmo out there and you've had a root canal denied and you're like, well, yeah, they should pay it. They didn't pay for my crown. So, you know, they should pay this. So they're going to vote yes. And so I honestly think it's going to be a, a pretty resounding support for this bill. And you think that this, if it passes, will then open the door for other states to do something? Absolutely, 100%. Because what um, what they're already, it's a template. So this is what happens with state legislatures and dentistry is one state pushes and the framework is all there. All the legal work, the, the writing, everything. And they're smart. They share amongst sure. each other. So you'll see very similar wording. That's why non-covered services, all the bills pretty much look the same. Um, only a few few differences. And that's because they all started out in different directions. But the newer ones that have passed, they pretty much all look the same. And it's smart. I mean, because legal work is expensive <laughs> and, and very time consuming. And if anybody has money and time to fight legal battles, it's dental insurance care, insurance carriage, period. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I'm curious and just asking a question here, because I can think of several states where and I'm just going to say Delta Dental mm -hmm. is very prevalent. Delta Dental sponsors things, mm -hmm. uh, you know, at baseball games or whatever it might be. Is that something then that as a voter I would remember and go, well, gosh, if they've got money to do that, then they should pay more. Do you think that's going to skew things if uh, it goes into other states? I don't see why not. I mean, honestly, like every time you go to, so go, you go to, you go to a lot of stadiums and arenas, yeah. Kevin, as you're, I do. because of your love of baseball. All of them now are named after corporations, right? Sure. So, absolutely. I mean, honestly, when I take a look at like BB&T Arena, I'm like, man, they're rolling in it, you know, or, yeah. you know, Citibank Arena. I'm like, wow, you know. So it, it really just brings home the fact that they have so much money that they're able to buy an arena. And there is no Delta Dental Arena, but I mean, there's probably a, a Humana or United Healthcare or something arena because they're big. So who, who knows? Well, but yeah, I, I think there is the perception that carriers are... Absolutely rolling in it. And for, for many, that's true. But there are a ton of little bitties out there that are not rolling in it. And they're going to get eaten up. It's just that's no. what's going to happen. And, and that makes sense. And, and I, I think that your point about this being a template moving forward, because I can absolutely see this being one of those things that everybody cheers on from afar and then rushes to get in their own place and, and almost pulls the look what I did card. Uh, you know, as the next election cycle starts coming. Yeah, yeah. You know, and one thing that was interesting, too, is that the ADA's president came out with a letter, um, and I'll find that and link that, too. But he came out with a letter that was actually um, fairly aggressive towards carriers, and which is a change because it's been a very friend, like a frenemies type mm -hmm. relationship. But the letter he wrote to the um, ADA uh, constituents is pretty... Uh, pretty inflammatory. I, I don't know. I'm not, not very, just sort of like, Hey, this is what we're doing and we're doing it for you. And you just haven't had that in a lot of their communications. So. That'd be interesting when the next president takes over, if that is carried over. Yeah. And, you know, and dear listeners, one of the things that's behind the scenes that uh, Kevin and I have talked about before, but maybe not on this podcast is that, uh, the carriers in the ADA work together a lot on a lot of different things. And, uh, one of the significant sources of revenue for the ADA is the licensing of the codes. And you know, who pays a lot of money for the licensing of the codes, 
dental insurance carriers. Yep. <laughs> so yep. there's a there's a lot of moving pieces in, in there. And so whenever I see somebody railing, you know, on Facebook about oh, why can't the ADA protect us? Well, it's not that simple. You yeah, know? it's it's a very tangled web, shall we say, mm-hmm. for sure. Yep. Yep. So very, very Godfatherish, right? Like I'm it getting, is. like I'm hearing the Godfather theme in the background. <laughs> Keep your enemies close, and, and you know, and I don't know if 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 we should characterize that as enemies, but when this kind of legislature comes up, it it feels like it. I mean, they are they're very aware of each other, and they're putting out press releases all over the place, billboards. The the push is on. Yeah. Yeah, and this will be really interesting for us to cover after the vote happens. Mm-hmm. And then I want really want your opinion on what comes next, whichever way it goes. I'm curious. But if I were going to look at my crystal ball, mm-hmm. I'd bet I know which way it's going to go. Oh, I think it's going to pass. Yeah. I think it's going to pass. Because, you know, the, the general population, insurance company, bad. You know, yeah. that that's the general <laughs> feel. Right. <laughs> Raise my club up, you know. Uh, but also, one thing, too, real quick. Um, ADA earmarked $5 million for the campaign. Mm. And when that came out, I was like, $5 million. ADA moved that quickly. Cause usually you, Kevin, you know, it's oh, glacial, yeah. it's glacial. Oh, yeah. You get the, you ask for $20,000 for a project. And like three years later, here it is. <laughs> you know, Absolutely. So I, they moved when they, when they wanted to. So yeah. So we'll circle back. We'll definitely circle back on that. And all the links will be available in the show notes. The, where I got most of my information was from a policy uh, firm that wrote up a, a very fair look at how it's going to be for both sides. And so that, that's where I got a lot of my information. I think that's what you should read rather than what comes from the ADA versus this insurance carriers. I honestly, just because we need to be, of course, very logical on this. You know, I, I always want to take the emotion out of it. Oh, at, at election time? Emotions? What? what? I don't know what you're talking about. What? That's it, Kevin. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I can't believe you voted for that. No, I'm not. <laughs> Goodbye. No, one, one thing I will say is that I've always been very thankful that you've kind of got that behind the scenes access on what's going on with insurance and, and what things really mean versus what they look like on the surface. So yeah. I think that that's something that's really important that you're still, uh, you still have that access. No, somebody's got to do it. That's you. I'm telling you, girl. It is. <laughs> all right, Kayvon. It's time that we wrap this up. Of course, all of the links will be in the show notes. And dear listeners, we always so very much appreciate that you spend your time with us. And that's a wrap for this episode of Chew on This. We hope you laughed and learned a little. Check out the show notes for any links we mentioned. And don't forget to give us a rating on your podcast app. Feel free to drop us a comment on social media or by email if you have any suggestions for future topics. We'll be back in about two weeks. See you then.